mean, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop-in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. It is episode number 18 of the Powell at the Park podcast. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Kevin Powell. And on this week's episode, I had a great conversation with Darren Jackson, the White Sox radio analyst on WGN. Had a chance to golf with DJ earlier in the week, so I figured uh, why not have him on? Talk about a wide variety of White Sox topics with DJ. Always enjoy seeing him and, and talking to him, and I was uh, happy to have him on the podcast this week. I also want to get to some some trade talk stuff involving the Cubs and even the White Sox a little bit. And I'll also address Eloy Jimenez because I know White Sox fans are itching. They are itching to see him up in the majors. So I'll get to that as well. We had a chance to talk to Eloy this week, and Rick Hahn went down to, uh, to talk to Eloy Jimenez. And I tweeted out the other day that ESPN had selected the Yankees-White Sox game from Monday to be nationally televised. And with Hahn down in Charlotte, White Sox fans were continuously asking me whether or not that would be the, the Eloy game. What does ESPN know that we don't? So I thought that was fairly entertaining, but uh, some interesting stuff from Alloy, And we also talked to Dylan Cease as well. But uh, we'll start the episode as we always do with the rundown. Okay, on this week's rundown, I'm going to touch on a variety of things. Cub stuff, some White Sox stuff. There seems to be nationally um, some growing... I don't know if it's because the Cubs are, have been so good now for a few years that people are forgetting how good they are. It's like everyone keeps... I see these projections of what the MLB postseason is going to look like, and a lot of people have the Brewers maybe going to the NLCS and playing the Dodgers. I think everyone needs to keep in mind, and I've continued continue to run down some of these stats... In this podcast, lowest team ERA in the National League. Cubs are third. <clears throat> actually tied with Milwaukee, 377. Lowest bullpen ERA in the National League. Cubs are second. Highest team batting average in all of baseball. Cubs are second. Only behind the Boston Red Sox. Highest team on base percentage in Major League Baseball. The Cubs at 345. Highest team OPS. Cubs are fourth behind the Red Sox, Yankees, and Indians. They lead the NL. Most regular season wins since the start of the 2015 season, Chicago Cubs. So the Cubs didn't really necessarily make a big splash at the trade deadline. I guess Cole Hamels is sort of a big splash. And he was spectacular in his debut, five innings, nine strikeouts. It's one of those classic change of scenery type trades you see in sports, particularly in baseball, quite a bit. Well, you get him out of a bad situation, put him on a winning team, maybe everything changes. Maybe it does. Maybe Cole Hamels is a, is a sleeper pick, and it, he pays off big for the Cubs. I guess my point is is that Milwaukee's not going to be, beat the Cubs in the division. <laughs> They're not. I guess that's my point here. I don't know why. It's almost like people are pulling for the Brewers to finally get over that hump. The hump is the Chicago Cubs. Do I think the Brewers have a good team? Yeah, I do. They have a second-best record in the National League behind the Cubs. Heading into Friday, August 3rd. So do I think Milwaukee's going to give the Cubs fits? Do I think they're going to be a, a, a tough team to out for the Cubs down the stretch? Yeah, I do. But people 
people always do the the winners and losers at the trade deadline. And you know Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's there. I mean that's a, that's a team you're not going to want to face down the stretch here. You win 11 games in a row and all of a sudden you're back in the thick of things. They're not going to win the division, but at least they can contend for a wild card. They go and get Chris Archer. Uh, Brewers make a couple moves. They got that crowded infield. And everybody's talking about them as winners, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh. And I'm like, you know who the biggest winners are? The Cubs, because they still have the best roster in the National League. (laughs) That's who the winners are. And getting Kinsler, I thought, was a good move. Add some depth. Chavez is is another veteran arm of the bullpen. I mean, everybody contending is always trying to add bullpen arms. And I thought the Cubs, the Cubs did what they could. Take a flyer on Cole Hamels. Don't give up much for him. You don't give up much for two veteran bullpen arms that I think Madden's going to lean on quite a bit here. So who's the winner at the trade deadline? The Cubs are. The Cubs are. Because they don't necessarily have the rich farm system they had for so many years, and they, they can't go out and trade an Eloy Jimenez and a Dylan Cease to get Jose Quintana. But And we're not done yet, by the way. You know? The, I don't know if the Cubs are necessarily going to make any more moves. They could. We still got a month where the the waiver trades could happen. So um, we'll see. But you know, the winner for me in the National League is the Cubs because I thought they they got a starting pitcher who could somehow save the day here because the starters the starters aren't going deep into games. They've been inconsistent all season. So maybe Cole Hamels comes out of nowhere and helps this team down the stretch here. But for all these national, I guess it's, and I'm with the Cub fans here. Like the Cub fans keep keep the team at such a high standard right now because everybody has their, their eyes set on a World Series victory, not even just getting back to the World Series. And I don't know if it's because people are just looking for a more trendy pick in the postseason. Like, are the Cubs the boring, like the most, the obvious team? So someone's like, you know what? I think Milwaukee, this is their year. Why is it their year? Everyone talks about the Cubs pitching not being great this year. What does Milwaukee have? They just continue to add hitters, which is fine. I know people question that. Why are they adding all these position players? It's worked for the Cubs. The Cubs have an abundance of position players. And guess what? You work matchups. You you, you work the lineup, which, which Madden does. But the Cubs are the best team in the National League, in my opinion. I really think that. And I think even on paper, they are they have the best team in the National League. Dodgers there, I get it. The NL East has got some interesting teams. I don't know what's going on in Washington this year. A ton of injuries. But I guess my point is, it's just like, look, I still think the Cubs are the team to beat. I think because it's been three or four years now, the Cubs are are the standard. So maybe people are just looking for these trendy picks. Because I see these different media outlets tweeting out MLB postseason projections, even though there's still two months left of baseball. And I've seen, like, Bleacher Report or Bleacher Nation, whatever the hell they are. Um, you know, they got more. I see, like, I just see a lot of these outlets projecting, and it's like the people are overlooking the Cubs, and they have the best record in the National League. So people have become jaded with the Cubs because they've been so good now for the past few years. I think the Cubs are going to win the division. I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee edges takes over first for a little bit, but the Cubs will find a way. That's what they've done the past few years now. The Cubs will find a way. They're going to win the division. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see for the third year in a row the Cubs and Dodgers in the NLCS. 
And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cubs go back to the World Series. I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's how good I think they are. So those are some random Cubs thoughts I have because everyone is like praising all these other teams around the National League. And I'm like, the Cubs have the best record in the NL. They have the best roster in the NL. Those are my Cub thoughts. All right, continuing on the run now, let's flip over to the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez talked to the media the other day, and he said all the right things. He acted like a pro. Rick Hahn was down there in Charlotte. He says, you know, he's just telling him to work hard and things like that. So the debate now that I continue to see with Sox fans and in and, and national baseball writers, local baseball writers, is should they just bring him up now because he's ready? He is ready. He is ready. He is absolutely mashing between double and triple, 337, 18 homers, 59 RBS. Named minor league player of the month for July. I think you could bring up Elo Jimenez tomorrow, and he'd automa- already be one of the best players on the team. So the question now is, just do you wait in a wasted season anyways? By the way, I the Royals-Sox game, I believe it was Wednesday night, in my current power rankings of awful baseball games I've witnessed, that's right near the top. <laughs> it was so bad. And it was actually a perfect example. I always talk about, people talk about length of baseball games and how Major League Baseball is trying to trim that down. I always talk about how it's not so much the actual length, because if a game's three hours compared to three hours and ten minutes, you're probably not going to notice a huge difference. It's the dead time, it's the rhythm, it's the pace of a baseball game. That game lasted, I think, just over three hours. I felt like I was watching a game for like four and a half hours. It was awful. But then I can watch a game that's three and a half hours long, and it felt like it was two hours long, because it flew by and there was action, and it was fun. So I think we need to look less at actual length of baseball games and more so of, of dead time. One of the ideas I was I was throwing out there is every time, whether you're going from a top or to the bottom of the inning or, or full frame, every time they go out there, they do the thing where they, like everyone grew up doing this, right? You, at the start of an inning, the first baseman ran out there, he threw grounders to all the infielders, the outfielders played catch, the pitcher threw a few pitches. Let's eliminate that. Why do they have to warm up before every inning? Maybe the pitcher throws two or three pitches. That's it. Let's go. It's just turnover time every single inning. I think you can eliminate that. Save yourself a lot of time. Just go out there. Take your position and let's go. You guys really need to warm up before every inning? I just think there's going to have to be some radical changes. Keep the the, uh, pace of the game going. Um. I don't really care because like, if I'm at a ballpark for four hours, I'm like, I'm at a ballpark for four hours. <laughs> I don't really care. you know. But I, I think it's it's just healthy for a base for baseball to find a way to, to keep these games moving. I mean, the attention span is, is pretty, pretty small these days for a lot of people of all age groups. It's not just the kids. Everybody likes to rag on the kids. I see my parents staring at their phone all day. Um... Where was I? I lost track a little bit here. Oh, I was talking about Eloy, and I started talking, and then I somehow pivoted to pace of play. But back to Eloy. So the question is, do you bring him up now because he's ready? He is ready. I don't care what anybody says. There's nothing else Eloy Jimenez can do to prove to us that he's not ready for the major leagues. But do you wait and do the whole service time thing, wait till next April, and then bring him up? 
I I'm sort of on the fence with this because I think if a guy's ready to be in the majors, he should be in the majors. But I totally get the service time thing and getting an extra year, getting it through twenty twenty five instead of twenty twenty four. I get it. As long as you're not prohibiting his growth in any way, if you if Rickon is really believes that him staying down there is, is not going to prohibit him, if if you if you bring him up now, does his development progress faster or sooner? Because he's facing major league pitchers, that's that's the question that needs to be asked. Not necessarily if he's ready, or the service time angle of it all. What's going to benefit his growth most? I think is what the conversation needs to be. Is he going to be a better baseball player long term throughout his career if he gets brought up in middle of August, the Sox in last place or second to last place? Is he going to be just fine playing another month in the minors and then joining the team at this uh, early next year? It's all about his growth and development. I think if you think it's going to be more beneficial now, even if you're going to sacrifice a year of control to bring him up to the majors, then I think you bring him up. But that's just a question that the White Sox front office has has to have. Rick Hahn, Chris Getz. I don't, I'm starting to get the feeling he's not going to get called up this year. And I don't think I don't know if Kopech is either. I don't know why. I'm just all of a sudden having doubts that either one of them are going to get called up. But it's okay. I mean, this is uh, Rick Hahn has said multiple times he's not going to give the fans a cookie. He's not going to give the fans a cookie. He's not going to bring up Eloy to sell an extra few thousand seats one night here in August. So I, I, I don't know um, what they're going to do. I've been asked the question a thousand times, but I really don't know. So, uh, But I think for Eloy, the question has to be about development. That is the biggest question mark. But I think he's ready for the majors. I wouldn't be surprised if Eloy hits 35 homers next year because he's going to be up all next year. Oh, another angle of this, too, is where are you going to play him? I know Sox fans are like, what do you, who cares about any of the outfielders right now? But what are you going to do with Avi Garcia? Eloy's your right fielder of the future, isn't he? Your left fielder of the future? So what are you going to do with Delmonico and the Polkas? He's not going to play center. What are you going to do with Avi? You going to trade Avi over, over the next few weeks here? So I think, I think, I think they want to bring him up and, and leave him up. I don't think they want to have to send him back down. I think that's another, another component of this whole Eloy Jimenez puzzle that we're all trying to figure out. So uh, that's the rundown, a lengthy rundown of me sort of blabbing about a wide variety of topics, including the Cubs, Eloy Jimenez, and somehow I got on the topic of pace of play. That's the rundown. Okay, as I said earlier, Darren Jackson joined me this week. We had a, a great round of golf earlier in the week for uh, it was a White Sox golf outing. Um, raised some money for charity. It was, it was a lot of fun out there. Some of the players were playing as well and um, good people out there at the beautiful Beverly Country Club. But here's my conversation with Darren Jackson, White Sox radio analyst. We're now joined by Darren Jackson. He and Ed Farmer, the great Ed Farmer, uh, have every White Sox radio call on WGN Radio this season. Um, It's been great to get to know DJ and Ed uh, this year now that uh, we are the flagship home for the Chicago White Sox. DJ, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Appreciate it. Of course, Kevin. As you said, uh Great to get to know us, but it's been the same way from our point of view. We have loved the relationship that we have with WGN now, and I'm not just kissing up. It's a fact. It's true. We've really enjoyed working with you guys. 
Well, you and you and uh, Farmio are just the best, and it's been uh, it's it's been great to get to know you guys. And and, and you and I were uh, played a little golf this week. That was a lot of fun. Field of Dreams White Sox charity event. You were showing everybody why you were a major league professional baseball player, and the rest of us are just mostly weekend hacks. Although our president, uh, uh, Mister Word, was pretty impressive out there. But a great time down at Beverly, a beautiful Beverly Country Club. Man, that was nice. Had a great time with you guys. And you're right, uh, Mr. Wirt kind of was carrying us quite most of the day. We contributed a little bit, I'd say. We had something to do with the non-victory. Yeah, we we had a shot here and there, but you know it's it's fun to see a former major league player connect off the tee because I think some of those balls you hit, DJ, are still traveling and haven't come down yet. That's because I hit them straight up in the air. They didn't go far. They just went high. Thank you. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So it was, uh, hopefully we can get out again sometime soon. Okay. So I, uh, I'm i checking my email today, and I get this note from White Sox Media Relations that Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease named White Sox Minor League Players of the Month. Jimenez is on a tear lately. He's batting uh, 435 over his last 16 games, a 1293 OPS, seven doubles, six homers, 13 RBIs, and Dylan Cease, who you and I had a little bit of a conversation with uh, on the course about how impressed we've both been by him. I, I saw him out in spring training, and it was eye-opening stuff. He's went two and zero with a one two zero ERA, forty two strikeouts over five starts in July with Birmingham. Um, I guess just let's start with Eloy because White Sox fans are really, really itching to see him get called up to the majors. What else? And Rick Hahn has said, well, he's got to check all the boxes. What else does Eloy Jimenez have to do to prove that he's ready to be called up to the majors? Or is it simply just a service time thing, DJ? Well, it, it's, a, it's a combination, in my opinion. I've talked to Rick about it, and, and I'm in agreement with one statement when it comes to players having to get there at bats, having to get their innings pitched at the minor league level is never a negative thing. It's something that's going to benefit these players long-term, and Jimenez is definitely in that category. hasn't had a whole lot of at bats over his minor league career. Is just going to get better and better and more major league ready when he is here. But is he ready now? What I am hearing and seeing and know about from what I saw in spring training, yeah, he could probably hit up here right now. So it's just a matter of when do you pull the trigger and why do you pull the trigger? We already have guys here. That means you have to get rid of somebody that's here holding the position down. So there's so many things that factor in to when the right time is. Um, for me, I think he could hit up here, and I don't know if he'll be an impact player from the first at bat and continue through his whole career. He's going to have up and downs, but at the same time, the only way you find that out is once he gets here. Do you think that fans and just the baseball world in general put too much stock into this whole service time thing where, well, you get one more year, it's, it's 2025, you have Eloy instead of 2024. Do you think it's worth waiting rather than just bringing a guy? Like, Do you feel it's wasting time? Like, if they, I think if they wanted to get that extra year, he would. they would have to wait until early next year, like mid-April. Okay, so you're missing out on essentially three months of development time in the majors for Eloy. Like you said, and you made a great point when we were talking about this, that it, is there even a full-time spot, and who do you take out of the full-time lineup? But do you think too much is made out of this? And we saw this with Chris Bryant a few years ago, too, where the Cubs waited and waited and waited to bring him up. Do you think that teams should simply just call players up when they think they're ready, or do you think it is worth waiting an extra few months to get that extra year of control? And the system is set up the way it's set up. The organizations aren't stupid. They're business people. They're going to make sure that they're going to have a player as long as humanly possible and get here when he can contribute at this level. 
helping a team win a championship. I don't think, personally, it's a bad way to do your business. Of course, we all want the young man to get here because we're fans and we want to see him play. But what's he going to really do? Help us win you know, five more games this year and be just above Kansas City? So I, I get it. I get why, as an organization, you'd say, no, I want him the extra year because that means those championship years, we're going to have control of him, and that's going to be more important those years than it is right now. So I get it. Uh, Dylan Cease, and again, uh, we, you and I talked about him a little bit. I, I think the player, and I don't necessarily know, you would know a lot better than I would, but at least their physical stature and kind of the way they carry themselves, Dylan Cease really reminds me of Jake Arrieta. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be Jake Arrieta. I think he has all the tools to be Jake Arrieta, but even their mechanics have a little bit of similarities, and they both kind of have these big chested presence you know, through throughout the clubhouse, and they're very confident in themselves. That's who I think of when I think of Dylan Cease and what he can be. Um, from what you've seen from Cease, what are you sort of projecting him to be? If, is there a player comp you can give for Dylan Cease, who, uh, a guy we've seen in the majors, that you say, yeah, maybe Dylan Cease could be just like that guy? You know, that's interesting because – I didn't see anybody from the little bit of work I saw him during spring training do. I just saw him as Dylan Cease, the dominant guy that could get to the big leagues very quickly with the army he has. When you see, say, uh, Arietta, you've seen him a lot more than I have, and you know his personality better than I do. But if that's your comparison, I'll go with it, because Arietta was obviously a successful pitcher with the Cubs, uh, won a Sunny Young Award. I think he's a great pitcher at the big league level. And if you're con- connecting those two together... That means Dylan Cease has got himself one heck of a future. Yeah, he's just 22, and he's having a great year down in the minors, so I know a lot of White Sox fans are, are really excited about him. Uh, let's talk about the big league club here for a second. Um, I, I think it was the most animated I've ever seen Ricky Renteria, which was uh, Tuesday night. He ended up pulling Tim Anderson, and it was sort of a weird play because it was a liner to third. Anderson was just – it was an absolute rocket off the bat, so he thought the ball was caught. He didn't run out of the batter's box. The ump thought it hit the dirt. Royals ended up turning a double play. Ricky Renteria said, no, 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 no. you got to run no matter what. Don't assume anything. Just get to first. It was the most um, – uh, I don't want to say frustrating. But most animated I've ever seen Ricky Renteria in a post-game conversation. I think it's because he does think highly of Tim Anderson, and it was probably a tough spot for everybody in that moment. But I respect Ricky. We've seen him do this to everybody. Wellington Castillo got pulled earlier in the year for not running out. We've seen everybody who who isn't running get uh, get pulled when Renteria sees that. So do you like this philosophy, the way Renteria has been handling some of these situations with these younger guys? Oh, absolutely. I'm a big Rick Renteria fan. I think he manages these young players and even the veteran players the way they should. You've got to keep these guys under control. You have to let them know I'm in charge. These are the rules. And if you don't follow them, you know the repercussions. Simple as that. You've got to follow it up. So I'm proud whenever he stands up and says, no, no, you know the rules. You didn't do what you're supposed to. i got to get you off the field. Don't be angry with me. You already knew, you knew the outcome before. So... I like that he takes the players off the field if they're not playing the game the way he thinks they should. Not the way anybody else thinks they should. The way he thinks they should be playing is a correct answer for me. So when he takes Tim off the field, for whatever the thought process, um, I think he's right. And I think the other day is more of a culmination of things because a couple times where Tim has run to first base, he's watching the play to his left, and all of a sudden, he could have maybe been safe on a close play if he just puts his head down and run. 
and you see a line drive where he thought the ball was caught, which I understand because it was caught. Um, but what you realize, if you see that there's a play continuing on, you've got to give me a movement toward first base. When you give me no movement as a manager, I'm right on board with Rick. He did absolutely the right thing. Yeah, and we've seen him do it all year, so it's good to see that consistency. And he and he said in the postgame uh, interview that that's a message he wants to – Go throughout the entire White Sox system, not just the majors. So I think we'll continue to see Ricky uh, do that. On the other side of the infield is Yoan Mokata, who White Sox fans basically have a microscope on at all times, defensively, at the plate. Can I get a Darren Jackson scouting report on Mokata this year, what you've seen from him on the offensive side and defensive side of things? Well, I'm a big fan, so I don't know. I might be a little jaded towards saying good <laughs> things about him because I think he's a heck of a ball player. Um, at the same time, I... I think he could be a little more aggressive as a hitter. I look at it as if I wish he was always up there saying, I'm going to tear the curve off the first pitch that I see. He's not that way right now. He might become that kind of hitter. He's a little more passive than I like, but it works for him. He draws some walks. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I hope. I just hope he continues to keep growing. I think the batting average gets higher and higher. The power numbers, they jump off the charts already to me for the extra base hits. Speed's going to be better and better when he's going to feel comfortable stealing bases. I think he's amazing defensively. If you just take away and you cut those strikeouts in half, guess what? you got a guy that's probably hitting about 280 instead and scoring about 25 more runs. Yeah, and he's struggling a lot from the right side of this uh, of the plate against lefties this year, but I think it's if you look at the amount of at-bats he's had from that side of the plate, it's just a not a large enough body of work to, I guess, um, well, I guess let me ask you this question. First, for guys that come to the majors and they're switch hitters, is there a point where a manager or a hitting coach, someone might identify a major flaw from either, either side of the plate and say, you know what, let's scrap the switch hitting and let's just stick to one side of the plate? Have you seen that before where a guy has the tools to be a switch hitter, but they just continue to struggle from one side of the plate? I'm not even necessarily saying this with Moncada, but just in general, you're around the majors for 15, 16 years. Did you ever see that where they uh, they said, look, we know that's that's a talent you got, but you're struggling on one side. Let's just focus on the other side of the plate. Yeah, I've seen it, and I get it. That's more of an individual thing. An organization can suggest hey, look, we'd like you to stop swinging uh, right-handed or left-handed. We think you're going to be more successful from one side. But the player's got to be on board with it. If he's not, then you lose him, and he's going to be no good to you. Uh, you know, everything that an suge- uh, organization suggests to a player, if they're not on board, uh, usually the results don't work out pretty well because mentally they're not committed to what you're asking them to do. When it comes to look at Omar Narvaez, he was listed as a switch hitter when we first obtained him. And he just said, I'm done with it, and stayed left-handed. We've never seen him bat right-handed. Yet, he, as of last year, he was still listed as a switch hitter. So it definitely happens, but it's the individual that's got to come up with a plan. Darren, is there a player who has surprised you this year in a positive way that maybe was a little bit under the radar and all of a sudden is like, whoa, okay, maybe this guy does feed it, uh, fit into this puzzle a little bit? Well, I, I can say there's definitely a couple of pitchers that we obtained that I didn't know anything about that have been outstanding. I, I love Bobby Long. I, I love how great uh, Jake Fry has pitched. I think this guy's got an unbelievable future. And uh, and we were just talking about Montana. I told you I'm a big fan. So everything that he's shown me this year, I've enjoyed. So 
I'd have to go the two big names, Fry and Moncada, are guys that I'm real high on right now. All right, Darren Jackson. Hopefully, we can get back on the golf course sometime soon. I got to work on my power. You're hitting it about a hundred yards past me, um, so I'm going to work oh. on that. So maybe next time we get out there, we can go. Uh, we can go toe to toe and have some more fun. That was a blast this week, and I appreciate you jumping on the podcast, DJ. Well, my pleasure. And now that you put it out there about getting out, it's on, my friend. It's <laughs> on. We're going to schedule it. All right. We're schedule about two weeks out when my family leaves town. Right. You and I are hitting the links. All right, we'll find an off day. I love it. It'll be fun. All <laughs> I'm right, going to yeah, go to the driving you. range now, polish up the game. <laughs> Deal. You're the best, DJ. See you at the park soon. All right, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you to Darren Jackson for jumping on the podcast. This was episode number 18. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at KPowell720. Hope you can subscribe, review, and rate on iTunes. Powell at the Park, episode 18. Thank you very much for listening and have a great day.